Welcome to The Road Less Traveled. I am your host, DB, and on today's episode, we're going to be talking about holidays. Uh, we're about five days from Christmas. Well, like five and a half, but so hopefully everyone's gotten their shopping done if you guys celebrate. If you don't, I do hope you still enjoy your December or whatever holiday that you participate in. And I know that New Year's coming up, so let's just try to go into it with a little positivity and whatnot. Uh, having said that, this episode might not be so uplifting because we're going to be covering holidays or lack thereof, at least inside uh, for people that are incarcerated. Those days just take on a just a whole different meaning. I mean, you have all the common American holidays like Fourth of July and Thanksgiving and Christmas and, uh, you know, all the ones that fall in between like Veterans Day, Memorial Day, et cetera, et cetera. Now. Most of those holidays have a sort of irony to it, especially like 4th of July. That one always really hit hard for some reason because, you know, most people think it's just time to do a barbecue or blast off some fireworks or just do a little get together kind of thing. Uh, but 4th of July is supposed to be a celebration of freedom or at least our independence. So being locked up and still... <laughs> kind of, you know, getting like a little holiday meal or quote unquote celebrating. It just felt different. It doesn't work that way. I almost wish they had just skipped that whole holiday altogether, uh, which they mostly did. This might come as no surprise to anyone listening, but uh, most inmates or incarcerated people uh, are overlooked during those holidays. At least my facility, I can't speak to all of them, the few facilities that I was in a part of in jail and in prison and also minimum security uh, halfway house later down the road, those all ran on minimum staffing for holidays, which makes perfect sense because, you know, everyone wants to be with their families or their friends for those holidays. Those are generally what those holidays are for. So the staff of, you know, jail, prison, wherever, they were, uh, you know, with their friends, their families, etc. So they only had a couple guards on duty to watch us. So other than the holiday meal we got, we spent almost those every holiday just locked down, told to sit on our beds and rewrite or sleep or, you know, just kind of kind of sit there. So the 4th of July, the celebration of independence or freedom, that was just always tragically ironic that one made me super depressed every single time uh and it just there wasn't much to look forward to you know for the fourth of july meal you got maybe a little slice of watermelon then you got like a hot dog or a hamburger uh corn on the cob things like that but right after that right when you were done doing your meal it was just go right back to sleep go back to your bed and you were not allowed to do any sort of movement so i was not in a cell during my time in jail, I was absolutely in a cell for a portion of my prison sentence. And then afterwards, I was fully sent to a minimum security camp where it was open dormitory style layout. Now, at the minimum security place, you had freedom of movement within your unit. It was set up like a military barracks. So in those instances, you were at least confined to the 72 people that were within that barracks with you. And even if you were, quote unquote, locked down, you still were able to 
within that unit move. So you could see, thankfully, you know, friends or acquaintances or whoever you uh, spent your time with, you were allowed to hang out with those people. Things got much better when I got to the minimum security facility, as you can imagine. Now, that is about three and a half to four years into my sentence. I did uh, a little over five years incarcerated. So things didn't improve about until about those three-year mark. I'd spend over two years in county jail and missed every single holiday. I missed birthdays. I missed, you know, Christmas. I missed all those things. And I wasn't one to celebrate my birthday uh, when I was free. It wasn't that big a deal to me. Uh, other than like the highlights, you know, when you're a kid, those birthdays are kind of important. The teen years, a few of those are kind of important. 18, sure. Uh, 21 was kind of important. Although not that big a deal because my, like my, whole goal of turning 21 wasn't so I could then go out and drink. It was just like, okay, cool. I'm an adult, you know, more responsibility. I'd already been living, um, with a roommate for a couple of years by then. So none of those things, like all those major milestones for years ever really mattered because I didn't quite care about celebrating my birthday. <coughs> Excuse me for my birthday. It was usually my family wanted to do something the uh, my girlfriend at the time wanted to do something my friends wanted to do something and then i was just somewhere in the middle where i was like yeah we can do whatever so i didn't quite care but i will tell you that when i was unable to celebrate or unable to partake in that choice it really mattered to me it was just so important to just have something and i couldn't I, you know, try to put on the, the big boy face or the be strong kind of emotionally thing. When I got my video visit from my friends and when my then girlfriend at the time visited me and I tried to sound, you know, a beat on the phone when I was talking to my aunt, but I mean, there's no real easy way of putting it. I was fucked up. I was an absolute mess for that time. And it wasn't like I was sobbing every single day. It was just like a very heavy depression. Like I just didn't want to get out of bed. I didn't want to exist. I didn't want to pretty much do anything. And I saw a lot of people go through that exact same thing. Like you could kind of tell when their birthdays were coming around or maybe the holidays that they actually cared about because people withdrew within themselves. They became quiet or agitated. They would lash out or like they couldn't take jokes as well. And everyone was just like on edge during these holidays because, you know, we mostly all deserve to be there, but that doesn't make it better. That doesn't make it easier having that knowledge like, hey, I deserve this, but still experiencing the reality of that, it's hard. And it's really hard when you just like, you know, you don't know when it's going to end. You just kind of have this vague notion that eventually you'll get through it. But it was just, it was a confusing and depressing time. And I was so like the first year I was incarcerated 
I, you know, I really didn't want anyone kind of knowing my birthday because even like at work, I don't care. Like to this day, I don't try to have a work birthday. I don't tell people like, again, it's just not that big a deal to me. Um, and there's a lot of birthdays. I hate to say, like, I probably can't remember specifically what I got because, you know, so many birthdays happen. There's a few that stand out, but overall there is just, you know, another birthday. But I will tell you this one. When I was 28, my first year incarcerated, first year in jail, the people in my cube or my pod, my little area, uh, they'd gotten together and they made me a cake. And a jailhouse cake is really just an assembly of just random sweets and candies just all mashed together. Uh, And it was shockingly good. It was basically a base of a honey bun or a pastry dish. Uh, someone had you uh, bought Oreos and they had actually scraped all the uh, filling off. So they used that and cream cheese to make like a thick frosting sort of thing. They crushed down the, uh, the Oreo portion. That's what they added to the honey bun to help make a crust. They took uh, like either Snickers or Hershey's and they put that in a plastic bag and they used hot water to help uh, heat, uh, excuse me, heat up the chocolate, melt down the chocolate and then pour that as a drizzle. There was like a million other things that they did. So it was like so insanely rich. It was almost disgusting. But they presented that to me after dinner and which was like at 3.30 p.m. We just finished our meal. Uh, We went back to our cube. And they brought it out. They said, happy birthday. And they showed me this cake that I had no idea that they'd made. And and it meant a lot. Because I didn't know these people. I mean, one of them was named Mouse. Another one was named Spider. I can't even remember the other few people that were around me at the time. For that first year, at least. But I'll remember that they did it. You know, I'll always remember that they kind of just knew, like, this wasn't my typical environment. This was a situation that I just didn't know how I was going to get through. And they cared enough to do something, to try to make me feel a little, some semblance of normalcy. And it meant a lot. It was so awesome to do that. So, you know, thank you guys. Thank you for those acts of kindness. It helped. It got me through. Now, a lot of the other holidays were a little, I don't know, they, they had a little sort of bitterness to them. Like, everyone was like, kind of have a fuck you attitude towards the holidays. Like, New Year's, who cares? It doesn't matter. Like, for us, time doesn't exist. Every single day, there's no inclement weather when you're inside jail. So, every day is climate controlled, almost identical. Unless your heater breaks or your air conditioning breaks. And it's freezing or super hot. But like every single day is the exact same. So a holiday to us doesn't mean anything other than like a slightly different meal. Like maybe a little better quality in food. That's really all we got out of a holiday. So New Year's meant nothing uh, other than we knew we weren't going to court. Basically, December was a throwaway and January also a throwaway. Those two months, almost nothing got done in the legal system and in the court systems. Everyone was on vacation. And then when they got back in like January 5th or whatever, everyone was playing catch up. So it was more like middle of the month, end of the month when things even started turning again. And usually, I hate to say, ended in a continuance. Holidays for us took on a completely 
different meaning. It meant that we weren't going anywhere. It meant that we weren't going to get anything done in our cases. We weren't going to see progress. We weren't going to see our families. And again, in my jail, no contact visits. So even if I wanted to see my family that day, I could only visit them on a video call. And my family and friends did visit, but I myself started keeping or creating distance. It hurt to see them because they got to go home. I don't even know from their perspective what that was like having to say goodbye. I know on my end what it felt like. I know the second I hung up that phone, I just felt like the bottom of me just emptied out. I didn't realize that it, like it could go any lower how I felt. You think you get to a certain point and you just realize there is more depth to that like emptiness. And it hurt a lot. So holidays were a mixed bag, so to speak. You know, holidays got better when I got to prison because holidays were at least like everything actually got better in prison. I know that's shocking to say, but like the quality of just everything got better, even though it was probably 10 times more dangerous. So prison was strange. <laughs> like I, cause prison, I know it's strange to say that it was like subjectively better, but the treatment of most people is strangely better. Like, cause at least in jail, for instance, as an example, this is a small tangent, like people in jail are generally trying to get home, you know, either they're fighting their case. So they're hoping they can still win or get a not guilty or possibly take a deal to where they can get a much lesser charge or lesser time, whatever in prison. And so please, excuse me, let me finish that thought in jail. People are kind of on better behavior. But in prison, like it's already happened, you've been sentenced, so you know exactly what you're looking at. You either have an outdate or you don't. You either have action or you don't. That's it. And the guards or the correctional officers or COs understand that. So to a degree, the treatment is better in prison because those COs know that there are some people that aren't going home. And they know that there's some people that have no fucking problem with either taking their life or throwing that, like messing them up, throwing them off the balcony, the uh, second floor, just stabbing them, whatever. Like, so it's to a degree, correctional officers understand, like in prison, have some respect. Respect will get you further because otherwise, like maybe you disrespect the wrong person. He might not get at you. He might know a hundred other dudes willing to make a name for him though. Like there is always someone that can be bought, paid off, convinced, or persuaded to do something for you. And if it's not that guy, somebody else. So weirdly, prison has such a more complex system of things going on. It's, it's a trip. It is a, it is a theme park without the rides. <laughs> and it is absolute controlled chaos all the time. Like it is just a tinderbox ready to go off. And the holidays in prison, at least, are kind of a pressure relief. Like you have to allow people something 
because otherwise the pressure will crack people. You do need to like places that get locked down like constantly, if they're just like permanently locked down, eventually like get to a point where people just will not take that anymore. They need some sort of routine. They need some sort of relief. So I've seen a lot of places where it was like locked down for months on end because say they were doing an investigation because there was either a gang incident or a riot or whatever. Things generally got worse the longer the lockdown went on. And that would then go into uh, people like, let's try and get back on the holiday thing. So for religious reasons, people started doing protests because they were wanting uh, better food for either religious reasons, say, um, there were Muslim trays where you could get uh, different foods. You could get Jewish trays for different foods um, or dietary restrictions. So people would go actually on hunger strikes because holiday meals were not getting prepped the way that they should have been. The food was not um, falling in line with whatever that religious holiday entailed. So people, uh, other inmates, went on actually hunger strikes. And it was interesting to see the solidarity in order to affect change. Now, it wasn't always for a good reason. It wasn't always because, uh, you know, we're all in agreement on this. Sometimes it was just because they were trying to force an issue. Sometimes people found solidarity in... <laughs> I want to say religious reasons, but honestly, a lot of people signed up for those trades just because it was better food. We, a lot of people claim different religions just so they could get food that wasn't the same garbage food that we ate day in and day out. It actually got to the point, and this is a total tangent, uh, but it did get to the point where they had to bring in rabbis to actually uh, question people that were adopting or converting to the Jewish faith in order to get their religious tray. Now, I know this kind of loosely plays into the holiday thing, but they would bring that rabbi in for all the Jewish holidays. And the people that were signed up for Jewish trays had to go. You couldn't just like deny that. It was kind of their way of doing little checks and balances. Like, are these people for real or are they only converting for the wrong reasons? And if it is for the wrong reasons, which is what wanting of better treatment, I'm not sure that's like such a wrong reason, but why not use that as a platform? Like, well, you know, we don't completely believe you, but maybe we can try and educate you. Let's do a little reading from some of our holy texts. Huh? While you eat the tray, how about we bring you over here? So I saw uh, multiple attempts to like convert people after the fact. It became a whole messy situation. Um, and I also saw people lose their religious trays because they were unable to, uh, to pass those, uh, those questions, uh, the, the tests that were provided for them. I don't know what the questions were. I'm sure it was something to the effect of like uh, quoting different scriptures or different things. Yeah, I, it was funny. We had a like a unit. So whenever we got our trays delivered, we would have our food at like 3.30 in the morning. I've already spoken about 9.30 in the morning and then again, 3.30 p.m. Now, in the mornings, 
they would have to specially call the people that got the religious trays. Those were like set to the side. And those trays were always saran wrapped. They never got any of the dirty tray water from all these other nasty things. Like their food actually looked good. Sometimes the kosher trays had lamb. They weren't like chopped up bits of bologna and whatever other things that kind of made some sort of meat thing. So there was a very high incentive to lie like the disparity between a kosher or religious tray versus the standard or substandard rather food that was given to us. It was extreme. Like you were almost incentivized to lie because you got nutritional value from one thing versus absolutely nothing in the other. I've already openly discussed how I lost weight, how I was malnutritioned. So those things as a regular, every single day kind of tray was big. I only had the holidays to look forward to. And to me, holidays were a dirty trick because I saw how they could feed us regularly if they wanted to. We could have holiday meals, not to say every day, but maybe once a week, maybe twice a week even. I know that's maybe asking a lot, but all I'm asking is for the bare minimum of caloric intake as well as the bare minimum of vitamin intake. I shouldn't be on the cusp of developing scurvy because you guys are only giving me the exact same thing day in and day out. Carb-heavy diets, while good for making you feel full, are not actually good for people. You can only get so much by filling people up with bread, pasta, rice, potatoes. So... Holiday meals, like I said, were just kind of a like a dirty trick. Like, okay, wait a minute. You guys can take care of us. You just are either choosing not to because it's too expensive or maybe how it will look. Why should we feed these people so well when there's other people doing without? I don't know the logic behind it, but I think they went the cheap route. <laughs> so there wasn't any like standout holidays that I really, really enjoyed. I will skip way ahead and speak on a subject I haven't yet, but uh, when I went to a minimum security camp, it was, um, it was like I said, open style dorms. I actually got made into a wildland firefighter, which I have spoken on previous episodes. I'll go into more uh, detail on that. But whenever we were dispatched on fires, And we had holidays like, say, Thanksgiving, Christmas, Fourth of July, those kind of things. And yeah, I did just mention like fire in the middle of a winter, like wildland firefighting. Yeah, I fought fires when it's raining. I fought fires when it's snowing. It's very confusing. Um, But those holidays were the best. Those holidays were the absolute best. And whenever I was dispatched on a fire and it just happened to coincide with a holiday, it was great. There was two times I was in California and one was for Thanksgiving and one was for Christmas. And those times were the best because not only was the food incredible, like the food you would sit down with your family to eat, but nobody knew we were inmates. And that meant the most. Everyone around us was also firefighters. They were also all there for the same thing, for the same wildfire. We were all there dispatched on this one incident. 
So nobody else knew who we were. We're wearing our Nomex, our fire, uh, you know, not proof, but our fire resistant clothing. Um, and we're just looking like normal wildland firefighters, all just walking in our straight line, doing our thing, going to our place. And that was wonderful because I didn't feel the judgment. I didn't feel uh, looked at a certain way or like questioned. It was just sitting with people like we still had our own section. We weren't allowed to like overly mingle, but it wasn't really um, highlighted either. It was just like, okay, cool. Those are the people from that state doing this thing or from that area doing whatever. So those are my favorite holidays because I got to be just a, just a normal person, even if it wasn't like real, you know? And another one of my favorite holidays was I did uh, speak that I worked at the governor's mansion briefly. Uh, well, almost a year, but I got to work at the governor's mansion of the state that I was incarcerated in because they have an inmate program and the governor gave us two turkeys just for the four inmates that worked there. I was very proud because only four out of hundreds and hundreds of inmates got to have this position and I was one of them and he and the governor at the time gave us two turkeys and we were allowed to make those turkeys and have a meal with the coordinator and the staff of the mansion they put on a, a holiday movie and we just sat and that's all we did that day we did nothing else we did no work we didn't go you know labor around the mansion and fix things or you know clean things or do whatever we just got to enjoy the day and i can't thank that uh well the governor you know thank you obviously but i can't thank the coordinator of the mansion who didn't just make us feel like, you know, actual employees, but it was just a little beyond that. You know, it wasn't a friend. And it, it wasn't like anything like that, but it was more than an acquaintance. And it was just a little more than employee. There was mutual respect. She didn't look at us like we were inmates. She treated us extremely fairly. And she made me... um she just made me feel like a person. She made me feel seen. And that's what those holidays really fucking just took away from us, which was our, our visibility. And not just like to be seen with the eyes, but like to be heard. And like just on all those occasions, I felt like almost non-existent. Like I have been put away in not even a glass case because, you know, you can't see that. So it's like, kind of just set to the side or forgotten on a shelf somewhere. And that's what those holidays seem to be designed around. Like they were triggers to remind people like, Oh man, like, yeah, we should probably uh, send a letter or maybe call or do something. But holidays are just reminders to me. At least it feels like, because I try to tell my friends and my family and my loved ones, how much I care about them every day. Or, not, you know, not consistently every day. My friends, if you're listening, I love you guys. But I like to make it known. I'm not the guy that just shows up on Christmas once a year for those things. I try to be in touch a little bit. Uh, and if when I was incarcerated, I felt the opposite of that. It was like, you know, I saw so many people that they were just waiting for a Christmas card or they were waiting for maybe pictures from their family, maybe their kids growing up or 
whatever it was, but they only really got mail on those holidays or on their birthday. Holidays were reminders for people that were free of like, oh, wow, an occasion's here. Like, okay, cool. I should remember this thing. It was just a reminder. So for the few times where I felt like actually noticed while incarcerated, like that made a huge impact because it was like, those were the few people that really understood like our perspective. There were even CEOs, you know, that it was just their job there. This is just the position that they had. And we were just in our position for now. But they treated me with respect. They understood. Some of them even apologized. And that meant more than gifts. Someone leveling with you and just saying, hey, you know, I get it. I'm sorry. It is what it is. But, you know, Merry Christmas or Happy New Year or whatever it was. Just like words were enough when you're in that kind of a position. Understanding and empathy is enough when you're in those positions. So holidays took on like the true meaning of holidays. It wasn't about gift giving. It wasn't about, you know, receiving something or purchasing something or whatever it was. It was just really about a special day, a special moment and a little bit of empathy and mutual respect. So, for the times that I was able to be felt as like an equal or even as a person, thank you to the CEOs that allowed that to happen. Thank you to the governor and coordinator of that mansion. Thank you to the other inmates that made me a cake on my birthday or even just said happy birthday. Like I actually still have a, a couple birthday cards and Christmas cards and they're just so poorly drawn and just so fucking terrible and they have some really 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 mean things written in there which i will never throw those things away those mean so much to me like thank you guys like the little things are so much bigger than people realize and it's only because of that twisted dark like insane sense of humor and that kind of bitter edge that people take on like, we get it. We, we understand. And I was able to make a few friends that made a big impact on me. So, guys, thank you for making the difference. And also, happy holidays out there. Hopefully, you guys aren't locked up because I'm sure you wouldn't be hearing this podcast otherwise. But if somehow you are, thanks for listening. I hope things get better for you soon. And also, people who are free listening right now. I hope you enjoy the day, whatever day it may be. This one happens to be Christmas, but if you celebrate Kwanzaa, happy Kwanzaa to the dozens of other holidays that I cannot remember. Happy holidays, guys. Thank you for listening to The Road Less Traveled. I hope you have a happy new year.